The Cloverfield Conundrum is the question we ask you all today. We review all three movies and question whether there'll be a fourth. Hello and welcome to Talking Stars. I am your host Darren from Movie Reviews 101 and we let Damien have another week off after he let me have last week off. So we've brought Kira back from Film and TV 101. Hello. Hello and welcome back. It's good to be back. I feel like we're going to be doing our very own Man With No Name discussion today. Yeah. We get to the good, the bad and the ugly or shall we go with the Asian one and the weird (laughs) we'll see but over the last we're going to say 10 years the franchise Cloverfield has slowly been coming up with films that are very different every time and it all started with one of the most bizarre marketing campaigns in recent year with the original Cloverfield directed by Matt Reeves who did go on to do Dawn and Rise not Rise, he did Dawn and War for the Planet of the Apes we have to remember this so we get to see where he started and of course this was pretty much from J.J. Abrahams no, Josh Whedon Josh Whedon's little group Bad Robot I can't tell you how many times I miss up J.J. Abrahams and Josh Whedon they could be twins when I try to describe them. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the first movie, Star, is about a group of friends who are having a leaving party for their best buddy slash brother of one of them when some giant explosion happens in New York City because where else will giant explosions happen than New York City in a movie? And they get a nice welcome by the Statue of Liberty's head. And we end up watching them spend the night trying to figure out how to survive from this giant monster. Which turns out to be interesting. From what you can remember, Kira, what do you feel yep. about the original Cloverfield? Uh, I remember when I watched it, I didn't really like it that much. Um, I watched it the morning before going to see um, the sequel and I kind of thought, after watching it, I thought, oh, we've we've taken a bit of a gamble here that's not going to pay off. Um, It just, it didn't work for me. I've, I've struggled with found footage before. I just... I really struggled to get into it as much as with other films. I just find there's a bit of a disconnect for me. And with this being a bit sci-fi as well, you know, because obviously you've got the monsters coming in and it's, it's, it's not normal anyway, is it? And I just, I struggled to get behind it as much as perhaps I'd have liked to. Um, it didn't really stand out for me that much. Um, and it did kind of worry me for going and seeing the the later film 
in the afternoon after watching this. So I, I, there's not really a fat lot more I can say about it other than I wasn't deterred by it. Well, first of all, I want to just shout out that we are going to be spoiling all three movies. I always forget to shout spoilers out early as well. So that is out there. We can say whatever we want about this movie. And I decided to re-watch this one because I have seen it three or four times because people know that I do like found footage when it's done correctly. But then I'm also creeped out when it's done like this because after re-watching it, I decided to realise that the army are watching their party on tape. I'm kind of thinking, why? Yeah. Why, why are the army watching their party on tape and him film his girlfriend slash maybe girlfriend naked in a bed it's like surely the army should be looking at the monster side of this like yeah I know someone's mental have stolen it but you would have thought the army would have like cut it down to just be the important part of the actual found footage like for once this is actually found footage that makes sense if you get what I mean yeah instead yeah. of it be a TV show gone wrong or a guy was holding his phone running around but with that we're saying that we do get to have the grounded level of the worry that the characters are going through because yeah. we see what they see which is good because how often do we watch movies and we see every single thing early on from a different point of view and the characters don't know what they're going to be experiencing and I like that side of this film yeah the social commentary pretty much that TJ Miller's giving throughout the movie behind the camera making all the decisions is quite funny when you watch it a couple of times because you're like it's about right yeah but then he's also a bit of an idiot and I don't think that they should go across the city to save his ex-girlfriend um, they're not really a couple because well they're not but they are well, they would have been if he wasn't leaving but he's leaving us. I got confused by that a lot but yeah to be honest I, I remember when I watched it I was watching it with my friend and we were both there and we were saying look you're not with her anymore just leave her behind cut your losses yeah I didn't understand him you know trekking that far into danger to go and get something he'd given up hope on anyway so especially after his brother had just died <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you would have thought, you know Wait, what, I could have bored a bit. Sweet priorities out, please. I felt sorry for the rad of like Lizzie Kaplan's character who was just there. She was she was just there at the party. She wasn't really friends with anyone. Yeah, she was, she was like the first one mm. to go. <laughs> she she got the, the rawest deal out of all of them. Yeah, I was like Okay, never mind. But uh we said what we thought about this one. Um when it comes to fan footage then Kira is there any that you do like just off the uh, top of your head or Phil have used the idea correctly off the top of my head I can't even remember really seeing that much fan footage stuff because I'm that sort of turned off by it just get the old watch list up now see if there is anything on there but I really really don't think there is much um, see the one I always get I get confused why it's called foul footage is paranormal activity because it, when I suck foul footage I think somebody filmed me I know it is footage that is found so technically it is but you know what I mean where it's like a lot of them yeah. are shaky cams and I, whether paranormal activity is good or not I think the concept of 
filming when you think you're being haunted is done correctly in it until it becomes the same every time there are some very good scenes in yeah. them however much they get slammed for being just nonsense when you get to the end because they just turn batshit crazy most of the time um, the one I always rate is one where the funniest thing is the director emailed me to on twitter to watch his film and he says do you want to learn how to murder someone if so watch <laughs> my tape and the, the film is the murderer filming stalking a family before killing them and it's actually a really clever concept like, what pitch <laughs> I know it's like ok yeah, I'm in so that worked well yeah looking here there's nothing that is leaping out at me but we're only at 2014 at the minute so I think the biggest thing is it's more of a generalisation for horror and horror's not your yeah. strongest subject no it's not uh, if you ever go and start looking outside of horror you get a couple but they're not memorable in a weird way there's one called Hardcore Henry I think it was called yeah. that where it's sort of like an action movie from like a, a head cam <laughs> I haven't seen it but I've heard it's meant to be quite good but people also had complained a lot about it yeah I think I do find that it tends to be the case like with the found footage ones I think the other reason I've stayed clear from it is because they tend to get as far as I'm aware quite mixed reviews because obviously you get the people that really love the concept of found footage and then you get people like myself who just can't get past you know the idea of what you're watching um, and I think that's something that is another thing that sort of sways me quite a bit especially on films that are just coming out like I would see that and I'd think is it worth spending my money on it or should I just wait until it comes on the telly yeah I think and where everyone's kind of got used to the concept of almost a stood camera you don't need to shake the camera all the time like there are I always like the paranormal investigation ones because they are people trying to prove whether paranormal stuff's real yeah and they generally do them quite well until they decide to just leave the running scenes where you are watching a camera jump up and down and it's like why like, you had everything yeah. right you don't need to have a camera behind the car you kind of it's quite nice having the first person perspective at times but it's a genre that I, I agree with you is very split um, it's either done too grainy or too good to look like it's come from a camera f or handheld Yeah, I know technology is giving us quality handheld cameras but <coughs> when you see some of them um, one that comes to my mind is called Exists which is a Bigfoot one it looks like it could be any camera that's done that so I think that also I'd you have to remember this was a brilliant marketing tool back in the 70s when it was used for Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. Because they actually asked the actors to go into hiding for a year after it. <laughs> and they got charged with murder. Yes, I, I remember that. Um, was it Cannibal Holocaust that Charlie Sheen watched and he ended up ringing the police over it? I would 
wouldn't say it wouldn't be him but I don't think he would have been old enough to have seen it he may have done it later there is a film that he watched and he rang the police about because he was convinced it was a snuff film Um, you wouldn't have put it past Charlie Sheen (laughs) I mean you look at the period he was going through during the 80s when these films were being made you can understand you know possibly why it's not wholly unreasonable to think that it was him um, but yeah there is definitely a film I read it somewhere and I was fairly certain it was Cannibal Holocaust um, and yeah he rang them up saying that this director had murdered the actors in this film and he, he'd lost his mind because he was off his face on drugs um, and yeah he he may have had some part in that who knows uh, it was more of the Italian side because it's an Italian movie the yeah. Italian authorities, once they saw it first, decided to bring the director in for questioning, and he had to actually locate all of the actors to prove that they were still alive. Yeah. Was he the director that ran himself over in his own car? Oh, I, I honestly don't know. Because there, there are like some of these directors who make these films where people, you know, kind of raise eyebrows at him. Weird things happen to him. They just seem to disappear after the films have come out and there was one and it was it was in another film that came out around that time and people sort of questioned is what we're seeing real or is it fake or you know people just weren't quite sure what was happening uh, on the screens and the, one of the, the directors died shortly after the film came out because um, he 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 ran himself over or somebody ran him over convinced that he had murdered these people <laughs> Um, just yeah. I feel this is going to be research for our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> if you find out which director tried or killed himself after releasing a film, maybe Cannibal Holocaust, let us know. Otherwise, you have to join us in the bunker for ten Cloverfield Lane next. Now, I'm going to let you introduce this one because I know you like this one the most. Yeah. I think. I do like this one the most. Um, so, Ten Cloverfield Field Lane came quite a while after. It kind of pulled like a Disney Pixar with this sequel. The amount of time be- between the two films coming out. Um, and it's basically taking place at the same time as the 2000... Is it 5 or 2008? 8. 2008 film. It's taking place at the same time but in a different part of the country as the monster invasion is happening um, and what happens is you've got um, Mary Elizabeth Winsett's character gets taken into an underground bunker um, owned by John Goodman who is not John Goodman in this film um, and joined by John Gallagher Jr I cannot remember any of their names That's except correct. John Gallagher Jr John Gallagher Jr's character is called Emmett I know that much but the rest of them I can't remember what they're called it's Howard and Michelle Howard and Michelle, well there you go then, Howard and Michelle, so Howard owns the bunker, Michelle and Emmett are both joined um, in this bunker, um, not our choice, um, they're, they're forced to stay there with him, and um, nobody really knows quite what is going out, going on out in the world, um, Michelle believes she has been kidnapped after a short while, and she's been held against her will until she goes and looks out of a window, and finds out that actually there is something going on 
um, possibly nuclear war. Nobody really knows. But Howard is convinced that something is happening. He's one of these doomsday preppers. He's been waiting his whole life for something like this to happen. And um, there's there's quite a lot of sort of red herrings thrown about during this film. I mean, when I was watching it, I didn't really know quite what direction it was going to go in, um, especially because it's not really until the end that if it wasn't for the title of the film, you wouldn't have necessarily made the connection between this film and Cloverfield. Um, I think, and I think we've said this before, haven't we, Darren, that the title for this film is probably the worst thing about it. It's a spoiler, I think. You yeah. could have called it either, just called it the tenth bunker if you want. I don't even know what the ten means. I know it might be his address, but yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Howard's end, that's what we should have called it. Yeah, just to confuse um, everyone some more. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit different to the BBC period drama that's just been on. It seems um, to get made every year. Yeah, just a new edition of it. New faces. Um, and yeah, it's just... It, I remember I watched it and it was just... It was probably, I think, and I still say this now, I think it's probably one of the best films I've seen in the cinema for quite a while. Um, and I showed it to my parents because I was that happy. Honestly, I thought I'd have made the film myself. I was that happy with it. Um, I showed I showed the film to everybody, recommended it to so many people. and just I definitely think that the year it came out, which I think was 2015, to think it's been out that long is something. 2016. 2016. Yeah. I, it's, I always like to make sure because of how secretive it was. Wasn't it? Because this got made. The, the, rumor, the story is that Josh Whedon made this when he was making The Force Awakens. So nobody knew it was being made. And then suddenly a trailer dropped out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I remember that sort of happening. Um, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't that into like the whole Star Wars thing, so I wasn't aware of anything. But it did just seem that out of nowhere, this trailer got shown one day um, on the telly, and I was like, "Oh, that that looks interesting." Um, and I sent my friend the message, and we decided that we would go and see it then. And you know, it, it did seem to come about with very little fuss whatsoever. And that's that's probably another thing that did it so many favors. Like, it, it did just sort of come out of nowhere. Nobody was expecting it. There was no sort of anticipation leading to it for about 12 months before it actually came out, which meant that there was, there was no sort of bar to meet when the film actually sort of did come out. Um, and, yeah, just I think it took a lot of people by surprise how good it actually ended up being. And... As I say, there's there's so many turns in it, you never quite know where you stand with this film, especially when you watch it the first time. And I really liked the characters in it, especially Howard and Michelle. Obviously, you've got Michelle and she just kicks ass, so, you know, that's never a bad thing. And then Howard, John Goodman, is just, like, John Goodman proves how versatile he can be. And he's he's not a John Goodman character in any way, shape, or form. And yeah, it's just it's mad. It's a mad film, but it's brilliant. And it got me very excited for what was to come, and wrongfully so. But we will talk about that later on. 
I would agree. For me, John Goodman's just been an actor that... There was a time when I thought he could have done, like, a hat-trick of Oscar-winning best pictures, but then I saw Monuments Man. But <laughs> <laughs> he did The Artist and then Argo, back-to-back. Yeah. And then that one was coming out, and you think, oh, it sounds about right. It looks like it could work. It's George Clooney, Matt Damon, <laughs> doing a historical-ish sort of movie. Everything yeah. that should be Oscar-baited. <laughs> Oops. But I, I've rated him for years. He's always been able to go from being Fred Flintstone to Howard in a bunker, yeah. in the click of a fingers sort of thing. You're always going to sit there and go, you know what? I could actually watch a prequel to this movie of him building this bunker and not oh, get yeah. bored. Just, just make it like a Netflix original series, like ten episodes. Yeah. And I watched yeah. Joel Goodman do this. Okay, I'll, I'll enjoy myself. <laughs> Everyone else. Yeah, what SOS with John? Yeah. And we'll find out what happened to the rest of his friends who he may have yeah. helped fill up that barrel. What I want to know about the little girl, that's what I want to know about. How exactly... I just want to know Howard's story, you know, because there's, there's so much grey area around Howard. We know he's a bit shady, but we don't know anything sort of about what led him to that point. I really want to know more about him. And I do feel like a massive opportunity was missed, not further investigating him, and not pursuing. But that, that could also add to the mystery of uh, one thing that always gets people with films is uh, one of the more recent ones is why was the Joker doing what the Joker was doing in the first place? Like in the Tim Burton's, we know what happened. The Heath Ledger one. He just seems to turn up and be a bit crazy. And sometimes you always want to hear more of the origin stories, but then you yeah. get a Hannibal Rising. It's like, yeah, it's, do it's wanna, a gun. <laughs> we don't want to break that magic that we've just got. Um, but when we say this one, there is an Easter egg of such to be talked about, which kind of gets snuck in, unless you're a diehard through the roof Cloverfield fan. I only know this from reading trivia. Uh, when he's talking about what happened or has happened, Howard, one of the things he mentions is about the space sort of sh- shuttle company he once worked for is the same one that crash landed in the Brooklyn River at the beginning mm-hmm. of the original Cloverfield. So that gives you the tie in to the original. Yeah. Without. <sighs> We're going to have to get into the final scene. Uh, as we yeah. said, we've already talked about spoilers. And that escapes, you know, everything in the bunker is a pretty much pitch-perfect movie. Not Anna Kendrick singing. But yeah. it's everything you want in a thriller. Yeah. Keeps you guessing. You're not sure. You're really unease throughout the whole film. But once she gets out, and ends up having a Fast and the Furious moment with a Cloverfield monster. Yeah. It's a bit weird. And... This is a question that we'll get looked at a little bit more in a minute, but I'm not. I'm going to ask it now, but I don't want you to answer it yet. Do you think this movie was going to be a Cloverfield sequel, or do you reckon it was going to be a post-apocalyptic bunker tense thriller? If you answer that side of it, don't need to. Do you reckon it could be a standalone movie? Well, I do think it. It could have been, definitely, and especially 
up until that point as just the bunker alone. Um, definitely that, that part of the film, you could have easily got away with just that. Um, and I think as well, even with the end bit added on there, I think you could have taken that and built that into its own thing. Um, but you, did, you that could wasn't, have had anything at the end almost, couldn't you? You didn't have to use that monster. Oh no, yeah, it could have been anything. There could have been any telling what it could have been like. You know, they've spent all this time thinking that it's this nuclear thing, but the whole point is that what they thought in the bunker was like, it was nothing on the same level as what was actually going on. And so it's just anything sort of to match the proportion of an alien invasion, whatever that might be. But yeah, it could have been whatever the wildest thing your imagination could be that could come up with being outside of that bunker it could be that you know what about if they had done the James Wan thing and just had her look in terror or something appearing and ended it then so you know there is something there but you never ever learn what it is (laughs) that's what James Wan does in his horror movies (laughs) he just has something dark and just puts in well, why would I put something there? I want people to be scared because they need to imagine it being scary. And yeah, you see, I think if if that happened, I would get, I would honestly, I'd write off that film completely. I'd be like, yeah, it was good up until this point, and then they just forgot to end it. You know, I just I would kick off. I'm I've done it before, and I will do it again, and I, I would not be happy. Let's put it that way. Fair enough. <laughs> well, that's part two which is your favourite yeah and I'm not going to say I hate the next chapter of this Cloverfield sequel I hated the fact that the first trailer came during the Super Bowl which is only an American thing let's face it it's called American football for a reason yeah because no one else plays padded rugby in the world and it just sort of was a trailer oh you can watch it after the Super Bowl it's like okay so the people who were like don't live in America, couldn't watch it when it first came out, and then suddenly everyone spoiled it, talked about it, and you've lost that buzz factor about it. It's like, oh, it's actually just going to be on Netflix. You know? Oh, yeah, now. It, there's no proper promotion for it. I know it's trying to play into the Cloverfield mantra of we're not going to have any proper trailers, we're just going to surprise you. Yeah. And bang! And the God Particle turned into... Cloverfield Paradox (coughs) interesting Uh, where do we start Um, (laughs) (laughs) that is a very good question (laughs) we have an orbiter this is how bad the IMD description says orbiting a planet on the brink of war scientists test the device to solve an energy crisis and end up face to face with a dark alternative reality Okay, that wasn't quite what I remember, but never mind. <laughs> now, so we have, I want to say we have the best complete cast here internationally. Yeah, and very multicultural this one. Yeah, and that makes sense because this is an international space mission. Yeah, they've all got their strengths. It's, I think, I was already sold on this movie. I didn't care because Daniel Brühl was someone I could watch in anything. Yeah. He's such a talented actor. 
and David Olomo because he seems to be able to pull off any accent he wants yeah Chris O'Dowell must have been your favourite character in the film like he just honestly he's he's everywhere <laughs> there is not a film that man is not he's like he's like Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> yeah but he's funnier than Samuel L. Jackson um, and then we also have the Swede or the Scandinavian guy in Axel Hinney who's done a few movies like this where he's played the generic Scandinavian guy just just the stock one that they pull out of the cupboard whenever they need somebody to play someone from that part of the world pretty much and ZZ Zhang well, I can't pronounce those names who's your trademark Asian actor to be in the movie then we get a very sunshine vibe about this movie yeah now when it came to everything on the spaceship orbiter whatever we're going to call it I did enjoy that part of the movie especially when Chris O'Dowell's um starts <laughs> telling them clues yeah and, and, and when the guy blows up and he goes oh guess we found the worms then yeah <laughs> Chris O'Dowell gave the best like commentary you could probably get on a film this year yeah he he was doing TJ Miller's job in this film actually nailing the jokes yeah uh, I could just watch his character it's like I just felt like he was going to be like LL Cool J in Deep Blue Sea somehow he was going to make it to the end and be like the only one to live I, just, I had that vibe yeah. about the whole movie yeah but uh, let's cut it up to keep it just to the spaceship side of things then um, did, how did you find just on board the ship elements of this movie um obviously when I was watching it I, I when I seen what was happening I kind of latched onto the fact very quickly that it was it was pretty much going to be the same sort of idea as Cloverfield Lane as in you know it's it's taken place all these people are going with oh it's it's one thing you know we're here in the space shuttle and we think it's this and then in reality on the outside it's something very different and I kind of for me I, I, I was watching that and I thought could we not have done something a bit different like it worked the first time and I really enjoyed it the first time but you know if I get something that original before I want something original again and so that kind of didn't work for me. Um, you know, I've had high expectations and this film fell quite flat. But um, I, I did think when I was watching it, I've not watched the Alien films, but I did think there was quite a few, there seemed to be quite a few homages to Alien in it. There's a lot of... The problem is, like, this basic genre of movie, is why I call it sort of like, experiment in space gone wrong can't go back yeah. to earth type They're, they've been done so well with Alien, Event Horizon even Sunshine I know it wasn't an experiment but there was something that needed doing and there was no going home um, and even last year when we had Life don't hate me for saying Life's goodish mm -hmm. but the concept behind everything that's going on is done scientifically correctly they quarantine problems and that side of it I found really intrigued and then when it got to a new universe it was like 
so I took it I got away from the bunker side of it because the reality is this movie had been on my most anticipated list for three years and that's before it was even connected to Cloverfield uh, just that concept intrigued me a lot so that was always there so that was never going to be a stumbling block for me because I would do yours going in seeing a scientific one in space okay I don't like it's not going to be silly like aliens and shit like that like, not alien being shit but you know what I mean lots yeah. of fighting aliens and stuff or fighting in space it's a conversation of horror almost so I was happy with that so I know we've got mixed but you weren't in for one thing I went in for a different thing that's not a yeah. problem no uh, no so we've got what we saw as one side of the film let's yeah. talk about Michael <laughs> Michael is Hamilton's husband yeah. on, on Earth yeah. who's making a lot of phone calls to another yeah. universe like, yeah. it's okay. funny that like, the, the world was coming to an end but he seemed to have the best signal going especially like, to get to another universe across space I know, <laughs> like what what is going on, I sit in a corner of my house and it's like I just I'm out of touch with the rest of humanity but this guy he's running around London is falling around his feet and he's able to send text messages to the other side of space like come on lads what's going on and that's where this film gets the bashing it probably is getting more than I think the other side of it could have got away with being an okay sci-fi movie but then it's sort of like so I found Michael's parts the most boring because I don't think he does much I know there is a tragedy between him and Hamilton of lost children in a fire which we don't see happening or understand whose fault or what happened we do learn that and that again has nothing to do with Cloverfield yeah <laughs> so okay, okay that also makes gives motivation for the mission for her to be on it nothing against that so that's fine but then just watching him run around and phone up it's like that yeah. makes little sense and one of his final things is don't come back with these things here and it's like well surely they would have been there when they left <laughs> like, or somebody would have told them by now like I would have thought you might have noticed like the giant seemingly ocean sized monsters walking around on earth but no, they didn't. Yeah, I think the biggest problem I had with this, well, I had a lot of problems with it, but I think one of the problems I had with it, and again, it kind of comes back to Cloverfield Lane, but also also the original Cloverfield as well, in a way. The, the, the sort of focus was quite narrow. Obviously, in the original film, there's about, well, there's a party of people in there, about five or six people that really you sort of latch on to for the whole film. And in the film before this one, there was three of them. And in this one, it's kind of like you've got five or six people in space, and then you've got people on Earth, and there's, there's actual relationships going on. And they're looking at the bigger picture, which I think, had it have worked, we'd probably have been 
praising the Borgs off of this, right? It had just been, it had been an achievement on another level to have, you know, got everything to work in the grand scheme of things. I think we'd have been very happy with it. But for me to try and focus on the different areas and the different groups of people and look at the two fights that are going on in the two separate places, I just... It, it detracted from really where the focus needed to be. Now, where that was, I'm not sure. But ultimately, I think it would have been better off if they'd have just focused in one place, like they have done before, and stayed and made sure that they, they did that really well. Whereas here, I think they kind of divided it too much and ended up half arse in the two of them in a way. I'm very much with, you know, getting rid of Michael back on air. You know, just get rid of him. He's not doing anything. He's not really what I'm here to watch. Exactly. But when we say that there wasn't much, you're saying there wasn't much of, like, really an area of targeting where they wanted the story to go. And that's, I will agree with that, because, as I said, they made a point very late in the movie about what happened to Michael and Hamilton and their children and it's to do with elite running out of energy on Earth which never seems to be a talking point in the other two Cloverfield movies yeah and you would have thought that might have been quite a, an addressing issue that there was no energy but when you're yeah but Howard had prepared remember he had prepared for Howard an attack was he was prepared for the like the, the events potentially happening not a guarantee that it was going to happen if you get what I mean but in the first one, the amount of like, electricity they're using, and you're just like, it's an energy crisis, and like the whole of New York's lit up, like, like it's New Year's Eve or something. It's like, yeah. you would have thought if there was a problem like that, there would have been no light or ration light thing. If you're doing like international space missions that could be like contagious and disastrous for the world. Yeah. But then this comes to another question. The, the big question... That monster. Oh, for God's sake. It doesn't even look like the other monsters. I mean, as far as I'm aware, like, I don't remember that much about the first film. But the monsters seem to have been different in every single film. Uh, the story behind that is to do with the idea that the first one is a baby one looking for its mother. Oh. That's what they said before the sequels were made. Right, and they do have a similar enough look for me. It was more, yeah, it jumped out the sky into the sky. I'm not quite sure if we've decided to have Americans' version of Godzilla. Yeah, <laughs> but then that also poses the question, which is where I was going earlier. If you took out that scene and the last crying call from. Michael yeah could this have been a standalone sci-fi film on paper you probably wouldn't have watched but just a sci-fi movie about an experiment gone wrong and needing to solve it yeah I, I think that's that is pretty much the idea across the board for you know both both of these sequels if it wasn't for the end scene or you know the very final shot of the film 
and the titles involved, yeah, they could have been something completely different altogether. You could have stuck anything on the end of it, and it would have worked. Do you think it would have got as much of a bashing from the critics if it didn't have the Cloverfield brand on it? Um... Or do you think people would have just gone, oh, it's just another solid enough sci-fi movie? Well, you see, this is where I, I don't really know, to be honest, because I don't think, regardless of, you know, the connections to Cloverfield or not, if I'd have felt any differently about it. You know, I, I found the film to be very boring, and I actually watched it in the background I, I gave it half an hour and it just wasn't doing that much for me so I, I was doing something else whilst watching it and even then I was like is it nearly over I just it, it didn't work for me there was there was too much trying to be happening at the same time and it wasn't working and so I, I think really it would have got panned anyway Really, um, that's that's saying that people would have watched it. Fair enough. No, I think I think it would have got the average stamp. I don't think it would have got. Well, a lot of people say it's the worst thing, but then it's basically because of the pointless tag saying overfilled. Yeah. Wink, wink. Here's a giant monster at the end. <laughs> it was like what? Yeah. So that's what I felt. Most people have been like, what? This, everyone has re- I've seen review it has said. This was a gr- this was a, a you know a poor man's type of alien, yeah. And then they've just slapped this on the end because Paramount have panicked about making a movie, yeah. And sold it to Bad Robot almost, and thought we'd better make another sequel to our franchise, yeah. But with the announcement of this movie came the announcement of a fourth movie in this franchise, yes. They did say that. That has been allegedly filmed, and it's going to, at the moment it's going to be called Overlord, so it'll probably be called Cloverfield World War Two. Yeah, probably. D Day. Yep, as it is. <laughs> Cloverfield Dunkirk, that's what it's going to be. There you go. Or was Dunkirk World War One? No, that's two. They're both. There we go. Uh, but then we'll focus on the idea of two American soldiers behind enemy lines on D-Day. And that, that's the title of the... That's all it says happens in this movie. But the rumour is it's going to be the next chapter. Now, will Netflix be the ones picking up the bill on this one? That's going to be the question. Do we think this will be Netflix or cinema? Oh, well. Oh. I really don't know. I mean, I I think, had it not already have been made, which is what we think has happened, I, I don't think it would be getting made now. Um, so I would say it's probably going to go straight to Netflix. Fair enough. Well, it's got a less expensive cast, I think would be the best way to put it. You've got Kurt Russell's son, which is not exactly a household name yet. No, not quite. <laughs> so, uh, there isn't. We got somebody who's in Ghost of the Shell. Exactly. So they're not exactly the biggest names. And Netflix makes all sorts of rubbish. I mean, yep. it's, um, 
so you don't need the big budget to continue this story on you could actually end it here but you could also carry on going forever and ever and ever and have some that are actually connected to each other one time that actually are not actually connected rather than just it's almost like making three superhero movies and just putting Iron Man in them and saying it's the MCU yeah or put Ben Affleck in movies and somehow they're all connected to DCU but so we've, we've gone through them all and the one thing that you will have we should give the praise for is the fact that they are three very different types of movies like Alien did it first by being different each movie yeah and this one's trying I guess the word there is trying to copy yeah. the alien idea of being completely different each film maybe not succeeding as well <laughs> that's the best way to put it will you be seeing Overlord when it comes out if it is connected to the universe or will you just avoid it altogether I don't think I will rush into it and if I'm honest with you I'd, I don't think I'll watch it unless I have to for whatever reason Fair enough. I was massively disappointed by Paradox massively I'd gotten so excited about it we talked about it time and time again on the way about oh when's God Particle coming out when's God Particle coming out and they got pushed back and then we got the fourth one announced and I was like what's happening here and then all of a sudden it's like boom it came out last night what I'm waking up at 7 o'clock on Monday morning what what's going on this this isn't fair and I kicked off over nothing that night because we got handed well what we got and it was it was rubbish and I don't know if I can go through that again to be honest so I I'm going to wait more for the trailer but you know me I'll probably watch it if it's Netflix yeah I don't think I'm going to go unless it's, it's due out Halloween week and let's be honest I'll be watching Halloween that, that weekend if it yeah <laughs> I don't think you're really going to stand a chance against the Halloween movie yeah so so that's been our discussion on the whole of the Cloverfield franchise as we said it was going to be the good the bad and the ugly and you can all decide which ones you want to call which but we have to have a little discussion about what we've been watching recently as, as we haven't had Kira here for a while so we'll, we'll do a couple each we'll do one at a time but what, what, what have you been watching recently Kira? I've been watching so much so so much and to narrow it down to just two is going to be quite difficult now I think but um, uh, th there is one film I have to talk about I went to see it for a second time yesterday and that film might be Tomb Raider um, I, I was very very excited for this film coming out um, obviously I, I wanted to be Lara Croft when I was like five and I've still not given up on that dream entirely. Um, I just, I was so excited for it. It, it, it was going to be based on the the 2013 game, which kind of has rebooted the franchise. And you know, we had been, I've been quietly optimistic. The rest of the world have been quite um, loudly pessimistic. Um, and I just went and saw it on the opening day. 
and loved my life. It was it was great. Okay, as far as video game films are concerned, this is probably the best one that has come out, at least in in mainstream sort of culture. Anyway, I I read from someone that some of the Japanese ones are very good, but I've not seen any of those, so I can't comment. But in terms of like the ones that have been big blockbuster budget star films this is probably the best one in fact I'm going to go and say it is the best one um, Alicia Vikander she is brilliant as Lara Croft um, she brings a new sort of dimension to her obviously Angelina Jolie showed us the very confident very she was a very established Tomb Raider um, but right now we've gone right back to the origins and you know she's not even become the Tomb Raider yet and I think building that character in Lucy Vikan has done it very very well and it's, she's a very relatable character she's very humanised in it and you feel every thud that she experiences when you're watching the film and yeah I, I loved it so much I went back and saw it again yesterday and um if anything, it'd probably do with being half an hour shorter. You could trim up the first hour of the film, definitely. Um, there's no escaping that there's probably some of the worst dialogue you'll ever hear in your life in the film. But for what we got presented with as a whole, you know, compared to what it could have been, I can forgive it the flaws that it had. And I really, really hope that. Warner Brothers decide to move forward and make sequels because I need them in my life now after watching that film I, I was like I was a child again um, so yeah that's one of the films I've watched Darren you've seen it haven't you yes I agree with part of what you say but <laughs> I, I agree that it's the best feeling of a video game ever made and that's basically because Every time there was an action sequence, it just felt like a modern video game and I just wanted to press a button and jump mm-hmm. and grab something for like you would when you're playing an Uncharted game because I've never actually yeah. played the Tomb Raiders. And I loved how the action was shot, like you were there, like you're part of it. Like Even though you know there's not a chance in hell she's going to die, they felt like peril in it, which has been a big thing I've been moaning about Marvel for the last few years. No peril in those movies. Yeah. Um, I think... I disagree and agree with the beginning half of the movie. I felt like, as I, I keep comparing this movie to actually being a video game, but I felt yeah. the beginning bit was the tutorial. It showed her fighting oh, and yeah, struggling. Definitely. I, I think uh, I'm 100% for that being there, um, but I just think there's, there's definitely more in that half of the film um, than there is perhaps in the second half, where I think it could be trimmed up slightly. You know, I think to have brought it down to maybe an hour and a half or maybe an hour and three quarters I think would have helped the people that have said that there are a few pacing issues with it um, and I, you know just sort of for argument's sake the, the first half was where I thought there's probably the most excess but definitely I love I loved the bike ride through London you know where they were doing the fox and hounds I loved that and I was like, it is like you say, that is like the tutorial bit um, in the games. and It's for yeah. us as well, because we get to learn that 
whatever we do with the very first uh, uh, Angelina Jolie one the first thing we see is her dealing with a problem that she shouldn't have been able to solve when she fought that practice robot didn't she yeah that's the opening sequence yeah and she has overcome every problem to survive in this one um, Lara has no money even though she's from a rich family she takes this stupid job or stupid role as the fox to try and make some money gets in trouble with the law and can't win a fight so we've established in 10-15 minutes that this so-called rich girl who can do whatever she wants has nothing is struggling to overcome anything and is very lonely and that's what I think was such an important thing a lot of this backlash shall we use the term on this movie has been that it was sexist for some reason (laughs) I really out of all of it right one of the biggest praises I had for this is that I did not think it was sexist in any way shape or form I mean that's not to say that the Angelina Jolie films were sexist they, well, if they had come out now they would have been classed as sexist I, I mean if, oh yeah if they came out now they would have got ripped to shreds but it's like because I was I was watching the two older films um, last weekend I watched both of them back to back my god they have not aged well but I still enjoyed them and my mum was asking me about it and she said does is the new one a better character you know, is she is she the same? I said, no, she's very different, right? And they've made her a, a far more relatable character. You know, I've already said this. But I think a lot of that as well is to do with the times that both these films have come out. You know, you look at the way cinema was back in the early 2000s and sort of the 90s. And you look at the way it is now, and the way that women were characterised in those two different time periods. I, I you know, I, I said to my mum, I think it just it fitted with the time that Angelina Jolie was made up to look the way that she was, and that they had things the way that they were back then. Well, that's what the video game did because they didn't really know how to make models properly or as yeah. effectively, so it ended up looking more like Angelina Jolie. <laughs> Didn't it? Did it? I didn't know that. No, because it was built just to have like the idea was to have a sexy female lead with over pixelated oh, yeah. boobs, so we had to hire yeah. Angelina Jolie because she's bigger than the rest of the normal women. Yeah, but even <laughs> she had to be padded out. And they yeah, that, did. they did that whole thing with the bath rope scene, and that would not have lasted five minutes to the critics in this movie. Yeah. So, I think that's more what it. And then when they remade the game, they made Lara more realistic. Yeah. And that's what this one looks like, that Lara a lot more, which is good. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, the other thing, it's with this film, they took a lot more... There's a lot more in keeping with the games. Now, whether this be the rebooted franchise or digging up stuff that's happened in, you know, the games that came out in the 90s. Like... In, you know when they go into the tomb and the spikes come up through the floor I was thinking my god I've killed Lara Croft many times by throwing her on a load of spikes I've not played the newest lot of games so that's going back quite a few years 
that when I did that and I just think that was a nice touch that didn't really happen with the first two films that came out they you know they took the character but they didn't really put her in the game they tried means. to do a female Indiana Jones with the first two yeah I mean there was a few little bits that happened obviously you know there's the there's the butler with the silver tray and I, I noticed this quite a lot when I watched the films again last weekend but in the first one when it comes to things like you know she came out of the cave at the end of the film and she finds the huskies there and she'll go aha uh-huh. and a lot of the time throughout the film I know she'll go aha uh-huh. quite a lot and in the game she does that when you know she finds something that you can pick up um, whether that be like ammunition or whatever um, god I sound like such a geek right now but um, th- they kind of took some of the smaller details from the games and put them into the f- into the film back then but in this film that they've just made they've taken bits that were actual gameplay they've maybe not lifted the situation straight from the games but they've taken probably the key elements from that and applied it to a different situation within the storyline and the biggest one I can think of is the splinter that she rips out the side that happens right at the start of the new game she falls on a nail and she has to rip it out um, and there are a few other bits like that, but that's that's the one that really stuck in my mind over it. Uh, the one thing I've heard people complain slightly more about is the fact that there isn't any supernatural in this movie. Um, because it was scientific by the end of the movie, what happened. I won't say the full ending, but you know what I mean by it. Um, yeah. Which is, uh, I, I like that because that's a lot of what the ancient alien culture belief people if you put anything in the sky 2000 years ago nobody knew what it was and you do that with a disease that's like doing stuff that would be the same sort of thing yeah I think ultimately you know like you said you look at the at what is sort of the topic of this film and you know thousands of years ago when this Queen Himiko was about yeah it it would have been supernatural then because there would have been no other explanation for it it would have been magic witchcraft whatever that's what it would have been but obviously now you know we've kind of got this 21st century scepticism but also we've got science and all this that would reveals that it it is science that is is the reasoning behind all of it Um, so I think in a way yeah, it might not be supernatural as as we see supernatural now, but in terms of would it have been supernatural at the time that she was locked away? I think yeah, and I think that's how they can get away with it. Do you know the one scene that annoyed me most about that whole movie? Go on, tell me. The second post or credit scene. Yeah. The pawn shop. It yeah. was too much of a wink, wink, you know what's coming. I just don't think we needed that for what we gave. We had given ourselves quite a clever movie and we could have made her her own character instead of just... Because n- most of what we saw was not the full original Lara, but that scene yeah. was like, you know what, next time you're just going to get the old one. Like, yeah, I but know. I think, you know, there was part of me 
when I was watching it, because my dad, me and my dad joke quite a lot about this, because obviously, you know, I've, I've said when I was like five, I wanted to be Lara Croft, and I, I had a set of guns, and I'd run around the house sort of going pew pew pew, and my dad the whole time he would say, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna go and see it, you're gonna come back on Thursday night, he'd be running around the house again going pew pew pew, and I'm like, actually no, dad, because you've got a bow and arrow in this one, and then we knew that the guns were gonna happen, didn't. I'm sure we did anyway. I'm sure it got brought up in the trailer because I, I knew I was waiting for a point at which the two guns came out when I was watching it. And so I think, yeah, this kind of... We're going to go back to the this Lara Croft that we've seen before. But, you know, the part of me that has played the games is kind of like, I really want to see her run around with the two guns again. I just want to see that happen. Um... But I think we, we're just going to see, really, where where they take it from here. Because, obviously, there's the chance that we may not get the sequels because Warner Brothers have apparently come forward and said that they're not too fussed about making any more films. I think which it will be... has to become a passion project for Vikanda or not. And well, she is somebody who probably could demand quite a high amount. That's the problem. If she turns around like does a does her husband technique like Fassbender did, and goes, "I want to make Assassin's Creed," or do a Ryan Reynolds to say, "I want to make another Deadpool movie," it'll happen. If she yeah. wants to do it, it'll happen. If somebody wants to pay her a lot, she is, they won't do it. And I, I think that the chance of that happening, I'm hoping, is quite high because she she really threw herself into it, didn't she? Like she spent months getting into shape for the role. But also, she was a fan of the games growing up. So, I th- and I think that is another thing that kind of shows here, in a way. You know, she's she's played the games, and so I kind of feel like there's part of that in her performance, in a way, if that makes sense. Even though the games that she played growing up were very different to the games that this one's based on, I think there's probably some of that love for the character there. If, if that makes sense so you know she kind of wanted to carry that forward and make make a decent job of the film and so I kind of hope that that love that I've made in my own head um, exists and that she comes forward and decides that she wants to make more films because people will go to see it I think after watching that film and after seeing how well it's been received as well the fact that you can make good films from video games I just think don't give you know, too much hope to everyone on video game movies yeah I won't, I won't give too much hope but I mean with these ones especially I think there is more scope to to do it with um, these are easier to make because you don't need to do an in depth twist filled story you just no. got to have a treasure hunt with a cool character yeah and you know if if you're somebody who likes those sorts of films, I mean, I'm not being funny, right? Indiana Jones has gone worse as it's gone along. But we're still making those, so then why can't we have more Tomb Raider? Do you know what I mean? Right? We've, got, we've got National Treasure, but there's not really anything with a woman at the centre of the story. And the other one that's rumoured to be making is the Uncharted ones, which is pretty much just another Indiana Jones, but with a bloke. Yeah. So... Like, let's have this one, because it's a bit original, because it's a woman. Um, and, I mean, just 
let's just do it. I'm excited about new films now. You know, I enjoyed this film. I didn't expect it to be much. As optimistic as I was being about it, I wasn't getting my hopes up too much. And then it ended up being quite good. So, please, please, just let me have another one. I just want to carry on living this dream for a little bit longer. Well, with your optimism, I'm going to go to one that I was optimistic before watching. And we had a whole show previewing it. And that is Proud Mary. I watched this and I thought it was going to be a slightly bonkers John Wick type movie. I was wrong. (laughs) The one thing is there's a song that has been used on an advert in the UK and it's that one with the stupid kid singing Rolling in the back of the car. Yeah. And I was like, they did a whole action sequence to that and all I could think was I would have killed that kid. The only thing that like is good is Tadraby Henson looks great yeah. in the role. It's just nothing really happens. <laughs> like, nothing happens for an hour of this movie. Like, and it made out to be like this big, slick, action-packed adventure, bodies flying movie, and it was nothing interesting. Yeah, Sadly. I think that was kind of, you know. <laughs> Because I got excited about this film when I saw the poster. Um, I think it might have been like back in September last year. Like there was there was no talk about what the storyline might be, but I just saw this poster that just it just it looked like a nice poster. And I think I've I've said before about how a lot of the decisions I make about what films to go and see are made solely on the posters. Because I try to avoid trailers, um, and if there's a poster that catches my eye, and the sort of the right names are attached to it, I just think, yeah, well, we'll, we'll give it a go. Um, and yeah, the poster really excited me, and then sort of this whole outcry happened about how Sony had marketed it, and then people started saying, well, have you seen the trailer? You know, is it any surprise they've not marketed it? And very quickly I got the impression that it wasn't going to be a good film. So I gave up hope on sort of enjoying it and so I wrote it off entirely. Um, I sank down to about two and a half out of five for me. And I that's generous because I can watch any nonsense action movie. As long as there's some action happening, I generally give them all at least a three. I've given like a Steven Seagal movie, a three star. Yeah. I gave Kickboxer Vengeance a three star. So, I just couldn't get into this one. So, what else, which other one would you like to give a little shout out to that you've seen? Um, oh god. I got so caught up in the Tomb Raider talk that's now kind of become a show on its own. Um, I've forgotten every other film that I've seen. Um, what else? I watched The Town last weekend. Um, you know, come back to Ben Affleck there. You know, it, it is joined with the DC Universe. It's not. Um, it could be. We know we no difference. <laughs> Anything's an improvement upon what's there, really, at the minute. So, I, I'd just take whatever I was offered, wouldn't you? Um, I watched it and really really enjoyed it there was a lot of you could see that it taken inspiration from quite a few other films um, 
he being the most not- noticeable one for me um, I was watching it and I was thinking hmm or I ever seen this before or something very similar anyway and um, yeah it was I, I just enjoyed it you know it was it was a good sort of cops and robbers sort of film um, with quite a few notable names in it obviously there's Ben Affleck and there's Jeremy Renner who's got quite a quite a gritty role as you know the the guy who is trying to keep Ben Affleck in the game because he he wants to get out um, John Hamm plays the FBI and quite quite getting to like seeing John Hamm on the screen I've got to lie um, he's he's quite a nice man and Pete Postlethwaite I'd, I'd say it was probably one of the last things Pete Postlethwaite did by looking at him in this film he didn't look very well um, that's besides the point though isn't it really I just it, it's, it's a good film I, I don't know what I've just said for the last two minutes but it's a good film so yeah he did get <laughs> well Rana got nominated for an Oscar for it so I, I wasn't I, I didn't look at any um any of the awards sort of acknowledgements for this film it's just it's one that I'd heard about you know and I'd just seen it was on Amazon so I thought I'll watch it on on the poster there was a nun with a gun so I thought oh this this will be good (laughs) well if you want another one that's a bit heat like you should try Den of Thieves this year yeah funnily enough right when I seen that and I saw the people in it I wrote that one off completely and then I think you saw it and you said it's actually probably the best film that a couple of these people have done in a very long time. Um, it's not hard for Gerard Butler. No, it's, it's, it's really not. Um, <laughs> when you look at the other franchise he's been part of, it is really, really not difficult to improve upon that. Um, but yeah, it's one that I think I'm going to have to sort of visit when it comes out on DVD or on Netflix or on Amazon you know whichever one comes to me first well, I know a lot of people have just said it's it feels like a pretty much like a Heat remake but it yeah. isn't but obviously Heat was sold on two actors who shall remain nameless for now yeah I wonder who they could be yeah, <laughs> for fear that we may start another conversation well I'll end with what I've been watching and I saw the new Ready Player One movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. Lots of references. A few I didn't understand, so that was my problem. I think if you don't understand all the references, you might not understand certain moments of the movie. I think that's going to be the best way to describe it. And I did want something more from the movie, even though... If you want to just blank out your brain for two and a half hours and be a reference machine that's perfect but if you want a deeper story you're going to need to find somewhere else mm-hmm. are you going to see Ready Player One or no I kind of wrote this one off um, you know the look of it looked a bit looked a bit sci-fi stuff and then people are talking about all the references that are coming up in it and I just think they'd all go over my head because I really don't think I've seen enough of the films within the genre that this one's sort of taken a look at in order to to get them and I think that was the thing that took me out of I won't say what the reference was but it was like the big final battle 
something happens and I'm like so who's this <laughs> I don't know if I should have been saying that when I'm watching it it's like it felt like it should have been something really like iconic but I just had no idea who it is or what it was from I had a guess but I didn't want to ask anyone in case they've yeah. seen the movie so it's kind of it's going to be one I think that would get a bit more buzz even on DVD because people can actually ask their friends if they've seen it and what that means because that was the big problem with it yeah but anyway I think that should do for our talk today next week you'll be able to listen to me and Drew discuss what we think might happen in Infinity War and play our own version of the Deadpool deciding on which Avengers characters will die because it's about time and if you want to hear more from Kira you can find her at filmandtv101.wordpress.com yep always there and you can find me at movies no movie movies review 101 I'll get there eventually it's only been around for five years Hmm. where we have plenty of reviews and challenges going on and until next time we're going to go and try and figure out what film we want to attach Cloverfield to next and speak to Mr Josh Whedon or JJ Abrahams depending on who we decide we want to make the next movie Mm. thank you for joining us Kira no problem and until the next time goodbye everybody (laughs) 